There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. Ten years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey, Jill here. So happy to be with you again on Be You. So today we are chatting about some traits and behaviors, patterns, ways of being that might be familiar to you because it's you. You recognize yourself in this. It might be familiar because you are in relationship with either intimate relationship or maybe friendship with or coworkers with someone who shows up this way. It might be something you hear and it sounds very foreign to you and you you've just can't imagine why someone would think this way or behave this way, but it's fascinating to you. So wherever it lands, just let it land there. If this is you and you've not done any work looking at this, this may be surprising. I hope that hearing this causes you to understand yourself better, but not to shame yourself for this behavior. I also hope it doesn't cause you to be angry towards your parents because so much of our behavior is rooted in childhood. For whatever reason, you were meant to learn these lessons, which caused you to show up the way you're showing up, or maybe showed up in the past, and you get to decide if you're going to heal that or not. This is coming from a place of me looking at myself and saying to myself, what are some ways I used to show up and is still in my comfort zone autopilot that still pops up and plays peekaboo now and then? Now I recognize it and say, oh, there you are. I know why you're here. But looking at myself and seeing these behaviors and seeing this pattern and realizing I was completely blind to it for most of my life. I was blind to it until probably age 48. Completely blind to it. Sometimes I, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed that I would act this way or behave this way. But now I just realize it's just a product of my childhood. You know, you've heard me say, and I'm sure many others say, that our body is a living library, right? You're going to hear me say that over and over and over again because it's so important for that to become normal language for us, normal for people to understand something that's so foreign to so many of us that if we do not heal our trauma, we will marry it. If we don't recognize, identify, and heal and release and process and transmute our trauma, it will drive the bus. It will lead us through every action and every interaction in our life. And we will attract people to that wound. And because of that wound, we will find people in our lives who will do one of two things. They will either be a mirror to us and show us parts of us that are not healed, 
meaning we will see them and get triggered by them, or we'll feel what we think is a love connection or chemistry when it's actually trauma bonding. And what's really happening is when we interact with that person, they're simply showing us parts of us that we have denied, parts of us that we don't see that need to be healed, or they might be showing us where we didn't receive love, where we didn't get what we needed. So, you know, I'm coming off a weekend with my family that I'll share about in the future. Right now, I'm going to tuck it away in the pocket of my heart because it's just, it was so big and I, I truly can't attach words to it yet. You know, if you have like a dream and you're trying to put it in words to somebody and you're just like, well, yeah, it kind of had to be there. You know, or like you look at, let's say the Grand Canyon and you can say it was beautiful and it's big, but you can't really put into words what you felt in the presence of that beauty. This is one of those experiences for me. But I do want to talk about it with you in the future because I'm so excited to share with all of you what happens when you take this kind of work on and you invite it into your life. So I'm coming off of a weekend of 12 hours, Saturday and Sunday of really, really deep work with my mentor, healer, guide, coach, and now friend Sigrid Tazis, who came into my home and we brought her here to do a deep immersive experience with all five of our children. They're 24 down to 18. My husband and I, all of us together all day long, Saturday and Sunday. And we did everything from breath work to intuitive painting to individual coaching, ritual ceremonies, just a lot. It was amazing. I'm saying that because even though I'm not ready to really, haven't processed yet and I'm not ready to share the lessons from the weekend, the one thing that I got and I'm just, it's just so strong in me right now that I have to share related to the topic today is how much even more I believe and I know like deep in my knowing that I am meant to teach and share and inspire people to look at their trauma and to heal and release and unlock their trauma, to put love in the spaces where there's only shame and fear and guilt, where there's rigidity to restore movement. And I, I witnessed so much this weekend and in myself in a breathwork experience, I witnessed in my kids and also in myself in that moment, watching stored, stuck, unseen, never explored before trauma physically leave the body. Remember, we can transmute trauma through sound, like making sound with our mouth, our voice, breath, and movement. Those are the three ways you can, you can get it out of your body. You can release it from your body. And you've heard us talk about breath work before. I was just very new to it until two years ago. And now I'm such a fan of it and I just can't stop talking about it. But I was thinking about that weekend and I'm just still just like, oh, just so overwhelmed with joy and gratitude. I'm like, you know, I want to run over into my office and jump on my microphone and talk to my friends on BU about some ways that I've seen in myself, like specific behavior patterns that are gone, that sometimes play peekaboo but they're not my normal way of being anymore because I've transmuted the trauma. And remember, and if you're new to our podcast and maybe you're new to this work, trauma is a funny thing. It's not really what happens and it's not what happens to you. It's how you feel and respond and react to that. It's anything that was too much and too fast, too soon. 
anything. It doesn't matter what it was. Some people call it little top T trauma, big T trauma. There are others, and I can't say I can argue with this, that say trauma's trauma. No little T, big T. Your, your body doesn't know the difference. Some experiences will create a bigger response. There's more to be unlocked and released, but it doesn't mean that it's bigger to you, right? You can have an experience like being bullied or having one cruel comment or something you feel is a cruel comment when you're in second grade from your teacher or something. And that can be a traumatic experience for you. And from forevermore, you see life through that. And you you think about that when you go to raise your hand, et cetera. So I want to share with you a few ways that some people might show up. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a friend or coworker, as I said. Maybe it's your partner. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a former partner or lover or spouse. And I want you to look at this through the lens of curiosity and not through the lens of judgment curiosity, right? That's going to be through your heart. Judgment's not going to be through your heart. So as you're hearing this, just keep breathing. Well, you have to breathe anyway, but really breathe. Take in some deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth right now. And then as I'm talking. So something that I've done my entire life that shows up still, but now of course I I get it. I see it. I can recognize it and say, oh, I know why you're here. And then I move on. But it was a behavior that was so normal for me. I mean, it was as normal as my eye color. It was just who I was. And it was expecting something terrible to happen at any moment and expecting something like a catastrophe. My husband is late and he's dead. Like I just assume he's dead. I'm planning his funeral in my head. Now, a lot of people do that, but I mean people who do it about everything. I was always thinking something bad was going to happen. Either I was going to get a phone call that someone died, someone was hurt, something happened, or someone's going to get a horrible cancer diagnosis. Or, but, but let me just say, it wasn't like I was constantly stressed about it. It sounds like, oh, wow, what a worry work. No. Remember, it became who I was. I didn't even think about it. I didn't, I didn't think I was thinking about it. It was so normal for me that it was just how I moved through the world. I was still super productive. I would still be very happy and very grateful and moving through life. And yet my body was always on high alert, expecting something bad to happen. So if you know someone who does this, it's because when they were a child, either something really bad did happen. So their nervous system remembered that and sort of lock that in. And they're always like perpetually in that state, even when they're happy, even when life is great. Or enough things happened that they felt were a catastrophe that that wired that in that way. Another behavior that might be familiar to you through your own behavior or others that goes along with this is always picking out and seeing the negative. My husband, it it just drove him crazy. He's like, why do you always see the negative? Even if I was like grateful for something, happy about something, not upset about anything, I would go to the negative. And sometimes it wasn't a very, very much critical and complaining way. And sometimes it wasn't. It's just where my brain would go. Remember, our brain is there. They call it the monkey mind for a reason or the reptilian brain, right? Like that part of our brain, and and I'll just, just say our brain is there to see what's wrong to keep us safe to survey, to see what could go wrong and what is dangerous to us and to keep us safe. And remember, what we see as safe and feel as safe is what's familiar. And so even though it doesn't make sense logically, right, what was familiar to me 
was always feeling and seeing and expecting the negative. If you look at my childhood, it makes perfect sense. So then I have this great life as an adult, but I'm always picking it apart or looking for something bad to happen or assuming something bad will happen or looking at, let's say an experience, let's say it was a vacation. I wouldn't say, oh my gosh, that was awful. I wasn't a Debbie Downer. I wasn't the person that was like, I sent my food back and my food tastes horrible and the service was bad. That's different. I'm talking about, how was your vacation? Oh, it was so good. The only thing though, is that I just didn't really feel like you were very connected to me. And I just noticed that you didn't say this. And remember when this happened, that didn't feel very good to me. And, and, and. I also wish the kids would have reached out to see how our vacation was. And, and, and. That comes again from, and all of this is subconscious. All of this is in our body. Think of below the neck. Think of below the surface, like like beneath the surface, the, the iceberg below the surface of the water. This is in our bodies, filed away. Think of either filing cabinets or books on shelves in a library. It's tucked away and filed away. They're all over, it's all over our body. It's in our cells. Our cells hold memory. The water in our body holds memory. I actually learned this weekend that there are new studies showing that our brain can actually only process short-term memory and that our long-term memory actually lives in the water in our body. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was very interesting. So another behavior that's really, really hard to admit, but I really want to talk about this. I want to talk about things that most people don't talk about and that you may not be comfortable talking about with your friends that is worth looking at and just sharing without any shame. And that is feeling, again, subconsciously, threatened by peace, tranquility, happy, calm, no drama, no chaos, feeling subconsciously threatened by that. It doesn't feel safe. Why? Because it doesn't feel normal. What do you mean? Well, because when you were a child, what felt normal was chaos, uncertainty, drama, the opposite of peace and tranquility. Doesn't mean you had a horrible childhood. Maybe you did. For me, I was always on high alert as a child. I was always worried about when my parents were going to start arguing, what would happen next, constantly on high alert. And there was drama and chaos, drama and chaos, followed by silence and then just waiting for the other shoe to drop and then drama and chaos, lots and lots of conflict. So if you have a friend, if you know someone who sabotages happiness, they either sabotage their own life and you see it over and over again, they keep, you know, gaining weight, even though they truly want, and they're not just saying it, they truly want to be fit and strong and healthy and at their best, but they keep gaining weight and gaining weight, that self-sabotage behavior, the people who can't hold on to money no matter what, or keep a job no matter what, the people who sabotage relationships, and you say, man, you actually had a good one there. They leave before they're going to get hurt or they create drama and chaos and try to push the person away. If you know people who they seem to be drawn to and thrive on in a weird way, it's like thriving on poison, right? But they thrive on drama and chaos and it doesn't have to be the extreme, you know, like the drama queens and the people that are like a tornado and they come in. No. That I'm not talking even about, yes, them, but I'm talking about your friend who isn't like that, 
She's a great person. She's fun to be around. She's stable. She's got a great career. Her life is, is working. Yet, she always has a dramatic story to tell you. There's always like gossip. You know, there's always something going on in her life. There's always some big news. You know, there's always some sort of chaos that is stressing her out. Even if she doesn't complain about it a lot, there's that thread. You know who I'm talking about. I've always been that person. I just see it now. For the past couple of years, I recognize it. Now, it was hard for my husband because he grew up in just like, there was no emotion. It was PMA, PMA, positive mental attitude. And he didn't feel comfortable experiencing, expressing, or even feeling any emotions. And no judgment of that, by the way. That's just what his dynamic was like. So imagine that meeting me. (laughs) Complete opposites. But also remember what I said in the beginning, that we will attract and bring the players into our life, the characters for our play, who will trigger those things so that they can be healed, who will be mirrors for us. So it's perfect because he triggers me and I trigger him in that way. I say he just seems like ice cold and it just, life seems kind of boring. Now, my life isn't boring, but I'm saying if I were to complain in that state of mind, I would feel that way. And he would be like, oh my God, it's always something. My gosh, it's like always drama and chaos. Or why do you always have to point out the negative? Can't you just say it was great? I want you to know that those people, this is why healing this stuff deep in the dark crevices of our body is so important because they, we, I have no idea why they, we, I behave that way until we do. Even if we go to talk therapy, it's probably never going to come up. How do I know that? I was in talk therapy for seven years with someone with two PhDs and I'm glad I did it. But I also know that that person was highly regarded And I've spoken to so many other people and I'm connected to so many coaches and I have been a client of some of the best coaches in the world. I know that in most, I won't say all, most talk therapy, even if it's recognized, if the behavior is recognized and identified and discussed, it's not transmuted. They're not going deep into the body to get the trauma out that, that is the root cause of that. Just like in the United States of America, many of you don't live in the US, but you know, our medical care system is just shit. Oh, you're the best in the world. You have the best resources. You have the most cutting edge medical technology. Yeah, we do. But we're the sickest people in the world as well. And that's because we don't look at the root cause. Side note, I think that's because that's how the big pharmaceutical giants want us to be. They want us to be sick and they want us to be alive. (laughs) So there's no look at the root cause. That's the same thing that happens in the world of psychology and therapy in the United States. So there's no looking beneath the surface to unlock the original and root cause of that behavior. We're just going to talk about the behavior and try to change the behavior through talking. That behavior modification and shifting the mindset, et cetera, can only go so far. Awareness is beautiful. It's a gift. I'm not saying that talk therapy is not helpful. It's, it really is. And without EMDR and other modalities for somatic work, that body work, that release You can't do a whole lot with it. You can't really create change. So the behaviors I mentioned, like the, I think it's called catastrophizing, but expecting the catastrophe all the time, seeing the negative, focusing on the negative, even when you think you're being positive, feeling almost or actually threatened by tranquility, peace, 
calm and subconsciously creating drama and creating chaos because that feels normal, right? That feels familiar, that feels safe. The other thing that comes along with that is bonding with other people through that behavior. It's called trauma bonding. So I used to bond by gossiping. I didn't do it to be mean. I didn't want to be mean. I truly was not ever the person that talked badly about someone to say, oh, let me tell you something bad about them. You're not going to believe this person. It was my way of bonding with someone. I didn't understand what was happening. It's trauma bonding. It's this adrenaline rush. It's this, it feels safe and familiar because you get that chaos and that drama going in yourself as you're talking about, can you believe this happened? Yes, I heard that their child has cancer and then da 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 and then the husband left them and, you know, it's just a horrible story. And and it, it may not be gossip. It might just be talking about people's trauma and drama and chaos and talking about tragedy. I used to talk about tragedy. My mom still does it. That's where I got it oh, you're not going to believe what happened. And it's this tragic, tragic story. I I would hear myself say it sometimes like, why did I just say that? It's like a normal conversation happening with people. And I would go, oh my gosh, did you hear about the person that was in a horrible car accident? And they would go, oh my God, that's awful. Yeah. Take a drink of water. Why the hell did I say that? I didn't know I was doing it. So if you know people who do this, or if you do this, it's because that's what your nervous system thinks is normal. You're in this hypervigilant state. It's almost like you get stuck there, you know, from your childhood and you're always on the lookout for something bad and you're always worrying and you're always thinking something negative. And even if you don't say it, you're always seeing the negative or looking at what didn't happen or what could have happened or what should have happened, what you didn't do, what you could have done, what you should have done, projecting that onto everyone around you, creating drama and chaos not intentionally whatsoever, but because that feels what? It feels safe. Why does it feel safe? Because it's familiar. Because your body says, oh, okay. I remember how that feels. Whew. Now I feel normal. Now I feel okay. And then bonding through that with other people, either in choosing a partner where there's a lot of drama and chaos because that is what's familiar attracting it without even realizing it. I mentioned earlier that sometimes we'll meet somebody and we think there's a lot of chemistry. Oh my God, we're just alike. Oh my God, we can't get enough of each other. Talking nonstop immediately and just already planning the wedding, right? And if we're not planning the wedding, but we're just immediately like connected, maybe it's even a new friend. There's this like crazy honeymoon phase. That's usually trauma bonding. It's lighting up, igniting something deep within us that is not healthy. It's a wound. So a sign of healing is that dysfunction, chaos, gossip, drama, not only are not your normal, but you no longer find them appealing and you no longer find them attractive. I thought that all of the healing I've been doing was just so I could hold more, including joy. Also so that I could not just hold more joy, but I could hold more going on in my life without it stressing me out or taking me down. And I realize now that all that I've transmuted and I still continue to work on and transmute isn't just for that. It's so that I can look at the drama, the chaos, the gossip, the dysfunction, all of that. And it's no longer appealing at all. It's no longer attractive. And I 
I can create healthy separation, put a healthy boundary and not participate at all with no guilt whatsoever. I don't need to rescue anyone. I don't need to participate. I don't need to apologize for not participating. It's the whole not my monkeys, not my circus. I get that now. I used to think that was very cold to say that. Now I'm like, nope. I just want to solve everyone's problems, give everyone a business plan, help them figure it out. Well, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. And now I'm like, nope, they can figure it out. I'm happy to be generous, of course, and help people. But I no longer feel obligated to do it and to do it with everybody. That's a real sign of healing, true healing. Talk therapy never gave me that. But I'm not attracted to the chaos and the drama. And, and I still will go negative sometimes. I just did recently. So when you're on a healing journey, which is our whole life, once you sort of wake up to this, you're on a healing journey. And when you're more conscious and you're doing that, you'll have some moments that are bigger moments of healing. Okay. It's all like, I heard Sigrid saying this about someone actually today. And so I'll use that example that, you know, it's like water dropping onto a rock. There's one drop, then another drop, then another drop, then another drop. And over time, the rock actually will change. The formation of the rock changes. But it wasn't from one big gush of water. That's truly what growth and our healing journey is. And there are certain times where we have a big, like, I'll say, toxic trauma dump, and we grow and evolve a lot. There's a lot of healing in one big moment, one big experience. When that happens, our old patterns, our old ways of showing up, our old ways of being, the stuff that's stuck, right? Our ego is going to bring that up to the surface and try to like pull us and hook us back in and say, nope, you're not changing, sister. That is too much growth. So having said that, based on the weekend we just had, not only did I see some patterns show up in our family over the weekend, like nothing, there was no like drama, no arguing, nothing like that. But I just could like observe, oh, that's why that one retreats. Oh, that's why that one's more protective. Oh, that's that. That's why that one, whatever. I also noticed that after the weekend, I went into a pattern. I said something to my husband about, I wish this would have gone this way or this would have gone that way. And I was like kind of sad and disappointed about something. And I was almost like picking a fight a little bit about it. And today I realized, oh my gosh, that is my pattern coming up. That's my ego trying to keep me safe, which is familiar, which is where I was. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. I see it. I understand what's happening and I'm just going to let this integrate and I'm going to like a new version of myself, a new level. Not because my mind says I'm doing it. Remember, that's mindset work. No, because I just did all this beautiful healing and releasing over the weekend and it's just going to happen. This behavior, this way of being also will cause us to see a red flag and think it's green. We'll see a red flag and think, oh, it's a parade. I can't wait to get over there. And God is like, don't do it. When we do this healing work, this body work, we no longer see them as signs of a party. We see them for what they are, which is red flags. We don't have the desire to gossip. We don't have the desire to bond that way. We don't enjoy any ounce of drama or chaos in anyone else's life or in our own. We're okay with being alone. We're okay with being bored. We're okay with just being. We don't have to do, do, do. We don't have to occupy our time with our phone or another job or, you know, I'm doing this, then I'm doing that and constantly being busy. We don't need that. So those are the signs to look for in yourself and others that there is healing happening. 
So I hope this was helpful for you to look at yourself and the behaviors of others without any judgment, but just with some fascination, just with some curiosity, like, oh, that's why I do that. Or that's why my friend does that. Usually someone who has one of these behaviors has all of them. Thinking the worst, always assuming a catastrophe, looking at the negative side of things, even if they are not a negative Nancy and they are not a scarcity-minded person, by the way. You can actually be someone who has a positive mindset and they still see things that didn't go well and should have gone differently. People who create drama and chaos or they thrive in that or they're attracted to it. They wanna go rescue people from it. They wanna jump in and save people and people who bond through gossip or tragic stories. So if it's not you, send love to all of them including me, who has or does show up this way because it comes from a lot of pain that they may not even remember. And if it's you, please, please, please give yourself some love. Give yourself a big hug. Recognize this and start doing the work to heal. Mm 